Hello and welcome to the VanCast. I'm your host, Graham Eels, and today we're with Irfan. How you doing, buddy? Doing good, bro. Doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing really well. It's nice to see you. How you doing with the COVID and everything? You holding up good? You know, it's definitely been a change in things, but, you know, it's all about adjustment and adapting and, you know, figuring out where we're going to go from here. 100% man so I don't know it may have been the first time we met was when we did our like uh, teaching swimming or lifeguarding course one of those courses I think right. I think it was at like the uh, the Jewish community center or something uh, yeah I think that's right actually so what were you what were you up to then um, and uh, what 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 was your life like yeah, at that point in my life, I was kind of um, finishing high school. I think I was like first year out of high school and um, was looking to work in that field. Wanted to become a lifeguard since I was kind of a kid and was one of those, um, you know, small goals you have as a kid and ultimately ended up pursuing that for a little bit and um, kind of learning that it wasn't for me, but um, definitely got a lot of cool knowledge out of it and met some pretty cool people like yourself. What were some of the traits that made you want to veer away from lifeguarding? Um, with me, it's kind of the same as the thing that kind of steered me away from, um, you know, being a cop the same way was that I thought that when being a lifeguard, there would be a lot more action, a lot more nobility, um, just a lot more going on than what's really the case. And I found, you know, after lifeguarding for a little bit and, I'm sure you could agree a lot of it's just kind of standing around and, you know, upkeep of the pool and stuff, which wasn't really up my alley. I totally, I totally agree. And you were looking for a little more of that, like, you know, action. Exactly. That getting the adrenaline up, like you're saying, becoming a cop, it's the same sort of thing. Like it's, it's action. You, you, you're kind of like a hero as well. Ideally. Yeah. That's kind of, um, the spotlight I wanted to be under at the time. So, so you, so you moved from there and, and where did you move to? Was it to police right away? No. So from there, um, I got into the world of security for a while and that's kind of what people knew me as was whether it was, you know, concerts, rave, whatever. Um, I was constantly the guy for security and then that kind of led me into bouncing at the clubs and everything. And, um, that's kind of the world I was surrounded by for a little bit after high school. You must have met some pretty interesting people uh, because I, I did a little bit of security work and I, I got to watch basically like front row a bunch of concerts. Like I saw Kendrick Lamar, I saw Pink, which you know, I wasn't very interested in, but it was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, um, honestly, to be honest, without, you know flexing or being weird about it man i got to meet a lot of artists bro and um i worked our dressing rooms similarly to you i worked right in front of the stage so it was definitely a really almost surreal experience just being around all these a-list um you got you gotta drop some names for me man come on well okay people that i've met without it you know whatever but people that i actually got to meet me i got to meet justin bieber which was crazy he he is like a superstar to the to the definition it's even yeah, being around him you feel that that power um being around him 
Um, I got to meet Rihanna, which at the time oh, was like... Damn. Exactly, bro. Exactly. And all I can say is, bro, the pictures don't do her justice, man. You have to see the girl in, oh, in person. It's crazy. God. Yeah, that's just a couple names or whatever. I mean, um, I didn't obviously, you know, become best friends with them by any means. But, you know, I got to say hello and that was enough for me. And um, one of those things I'll definitely, you know, cherish for a long time. Yeah, it's they're great memories, man. And you get and you get paid to be there, which is the funny thing. It's like Exactly, exactly. So I was pretty much, you know, enjoying concerts front row like yourself, you know what it's like, and um at the end of the day going home with a paycheck. So it was it was solid. What did you think of the vibe of the security industry? Ooh, um if I'm gonna be frank about it, man, it's it's not really that fulfilling as a whole. I mean, a lot of it's just the same old bs of um standing around and you're kind of you know um i'm wondering am i allowed to swear anything should i be extra yeah cautious yeah about you're, that? You're, you're allowed to swear just make sure it's with good intent yeah yeah okay yeah um yeah it just wasn't that fulfilling more than anything else man a lot of it was just standing around and um you know doing the the bs work that no one else wanted to do in terms of kicking out you know drunk puking girls and uh, all those headaches and you know you know how it was yeah yeah i've i had some like shitty experiences with people and and that's with a lot of customer services like you really just have to be like oh and just deal with it um but i also saw a little bit of uh, a power trip going on like some of the security guards seemed like maybe they wanted to be a cop or something and they would just like in like i always learned you want to kind of break it down and and be like the guy that's kind of nice so that you can just solve the situation but a lot of these guys were instigating and then just like fucking these kids up and i was like is that really what you want to do on your friday night is just fuck up some kids trying to have fun exactly exactly you got to have that perfect balance with that with that you know role and um it's very easy to become a power tripper but at the same time if you're too nice you get walked over so you got to have that perfect balance of the two exactly exactly did you have any uh experiences with drunk idiots <laughs> man <laughs> i've had a long list to be like if i'm gonna you know be frank about it i i, I dealt with a ton of um things that most people would not want to deal with and that's ultimately why like Although security, you know, it's not a noble profession by any means, I did pretty well in it. Like, I was always um, a supervisor, a shift lead, a something, because I was willing to go, you know, out of my way to do the things that most people just weren't willing to do. Can you drop some stories for me? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, with me, what I what I thrived on at the time was I was really good with customer service and talking with the high-end slash vip clientele in um you know it, it requires a very uh professional level of manner and etiquette that a lot of people can't do like when a lot of people are around these kind of people um you have to be able to offer them a really good service but at the same time they still have to respect you enough that they're not treating you as if you know you're just their little bitch or whatever at the same time um they need to know that your efforts are respected and they'll go out of their way to to let you know that if you're willing to take care of them and do things for them that um you know other people wouldn't be willing to do essentially so what about some drunk idiots give me a drunk idiot story <laughs> 
Oh, man, bro. I mean, I worked at 12 West in Pierre's, and, you know, you'd probably know. You've probably been there yourself, you know, a few times. So you know that the crowd there has always been the UBC crowd, the frat boys, all yeah. those kids' kids with, you know, daddy's money, and they're going to have a safe Uber or limo ride home, and they're not worried about anything. So um, I dealt with, like, single-handed, you know, guys going up to a whole group of guys trying to start fights and then getting pummeled by a group of, like, eight guys. And now I'm in the middle trying to mediate everything. And it, 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 was, it was a huge headache, man. I, I always find that, like... Most of the time, they have it coming, don't they? Honestly, when alcohol is, you know, playing a part, you can throw drugs into the mix. People have this level of confidence that is honestly just unbelievable. Like, I, I truly wonder sometimes, like, how they're able to have that level of confidence to be able to do, um, you know, some of the things that they do. Well, that logic really just gets tossed out of the window because like we're both pretty logical guys and we're like uh, eight guys. Uh, you know, I don't want to break my neck. Uh, maybe I'm even if I'm drunk, like I could be puking, but I'm not going to fight eight guys. It's just mental. Exactly. Exactly. So exactly. it comes down to like they almost want to get fucked up. <laughs> yeah no honestly man honestly it's it's, it's crazy I, I truly wonder what's what's going through their mind but i guess um it's hard to think rationally when you're you know in that state yeah and, and also there's a lot of fucking drugs too especially with the frat boys and stuff it's it's pretty readily available and they get fucked out of their mind absolutely bro absolutely and you know especially right now with everything going around it's it's been such an unsafe couple of years for all that but i've found that there hasn't been much of a decline in drug use even with all the dirty stuff going around it's kind of spooky man um to be honest like i'm i i look at things for risk right and i and i just i just there's such a high risk um, and I've heard through the grapevine that it's not only like fentanyl and these things, but also because the borders are closed, it's harder to get drugs in. So they're cutting it with even more shit. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. And it's a, uh, it's a rough go. So, um, after that, what was your next, your next move? Um, so from that world, I really got interested in the field of law enforcement and um i wanted to become a cop but um for me i'll be honest man school was never my thing i never really did well in post-secondary dropped out out of a year of uh, criminology and everything but from there i went into wanting to become a you know a police officer and the next the next you know route for me the next pathway for me to take was um i enlisted into the military at the time um, not really sure what I wanted to do with that, but I knew that it would definitely help me in, in the road I wanted to go down. So that was kind of the next step for me. Did you, did you get into some military training? Yeah. So I ultimately did. Um, I got accepted into the Navy as an electronic sensor operator. So, you know, just handling the radars and stuff, nothing too exciting, but, um, it was something. So I got, um, invited to come in. Ended up going to um, around Montreal area. I was there for a few months, um, doing all my training and everything. And it was it was definitely an interesting interesting road for me, man. So so what was the training like? Because I hear they're pretty like sticklers. They they really drill it into you. 
They really do, man. And I got to say, like, there's some intense Frenchies out there that um, I, <laughs> I hope in your life you never have to meet, bro. To be honest, there's... Tabernak! <laughs> exactly, bro. Like, the amount of times I just got screamed at in French is just r- ridiculous, man. But um, as an experience, it's it's unreal. It's unreal. I, I would honestly recommend doing training to, to anyone out there. I think because that it, it was really extremely cool. beneficial. It makes you like uh, more of a concrete, um, scheduled kind of person, right? It really drills, drills that into you. Um, and it can help you succeed, right? Um, 100%, 100%. And like one of, one of the big things they do is they make you make your bed. I don't know if you had to do it, but you have to make your bed in the morning, like have your rifle or whatever. And I've I've learned that that's like having just completing one thing right away in the day it creates that habit of accomplishing things correct correct and that carries on into everything else in your life but also there's a little bit of you know boys being boys was there any weaklings that got you know fucked over a little bit got the shit kicked out of them here and there like oh man let me tell you about (laughs) this one motherfucker beaten bro uh we went by last names his last name was beaten and this kid was not cut out for it man i don't know why he was there um i think his parents had forced him to come out and he was by far the the weakling of the group i can even tell you a little story if you know you're open to it it's it's pretty freaking funny man but um (laughs) so in the mornings i can tell you like a quick breakdown of how the mornings went is we'd get up at 4 a.m um, we'd have about eight minutes to make our bed, shave, um, brush our teeth and get ready and be at the door. And every other day we'd have a morning run. So it was nothing big, but we would go for like a three K run in our uniform. Um, at this time it's February in, you know, Quebec, Montreal, and it's negative 40 degrees. So we all put on our Arctic gear, um, ready to go for a run, nice and cozy, you know, love and life. We get downstairs, we're doing a count, and we realize that that beaten isn't there. And, you know, it's a unit. You know how the army is, right? Like, everything's a unit. Everyone's doing the yeah. same thing at the same yeah. time kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, so what happens is one of the guys runs up, finds beaten in bed, um, brings him down in his boxers and a t-shirt and his boots brings him downstairs at four in the morning. Um, here we are, you know, freezing to death already in our Arctic year. Um, master corporal sees beaten in his boxers and a t-shirt and is like, Hey guys, you know, here we are. We're a unit. Everyone has to wear the same uniform beaten decided not to wear his Arctic gear. So everyone stripped down into your boxers and a t-shirt. We're going to go for a run in our boxers oh, and a t-shirt no. now. Negative about 35 degrees. We went on a three kilometer run and it's that kind of dry cold that you don't get here in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, that's rough. It And after about, you know, it was about, you know, 30 minutes for the run. We came back and all of our arms and faces, like the skin had completely peeled off and it looked like an, an actual crime scene. It was so intense, Holy but shit. So I, I, my guess is he got the shit kicked out of him for that. It did not go well for him. He quit, I think, the week after that because that was the final straw where everyone was like, I'm completely done with you. And it got kind of dark for him and he he was gone within a week. Wow. Yeah. Well, 
Uh, like a lot of the times it's shitty, but it seemed like he kind of deserved that one. Yeah, you really, you really gotta be part of the team, and you get, just get out of freaking bed, man. Yeah, literally, uh, literally. But that that's hilarious, man. That's a good story. That's a really <laughs> good story. So the military really chopped you into shape, right? Made you the man that you are now. And then where did you where did you go from there? So yeah, I did my training and you know decided that this world just wasn't for me man just all in what it came down to and the amount of stress and things i had to put up with i decided i was like you know what man i don't want to do it so after my training i just ended up quitting um and you know leaving on medical leave essentially and i came back just lost didn't know what to do honestly and um, didn't know what route to take, sat at home for a couple months, just lost, confused, like disappointed, not knowing what I want to do with my life. And, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely a really weird time in my life. And from there I got introduced to like an MLM fucking pyramid scheme, little, yeah, little gig. One of those I've, I've and- been, I've been through one of those roads. So you know what it's like, man. They they got me at a time where, you know, I was almost desperate, confused, lost, like had no path. And um, I was kind of starting from scratch. So um, when someone presented me the opportunity to, you know, try to work for my freedom and all the extra BS they spit at you, um, it appealed to me at the time. So I I went for it, man. I just, I full on went for it. I I was lucky because I I just like... I was kind of like on the cusp, so I got one of my two of my buddies, like uh, I think it was Mark and Bagoli, and they they just they just like went to one of the meetings with me, and they're like, "No, facts, facts." <laughs> and I was like, "Well, thank God for you guys, because they almost had me." <laughs> I wish I had someone to tell me no, honestly, at the time, man. Goddamn. Uh, but honestly, man, you, you go down and then you come back up. You learn from it, right? It's true. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I, I definitely learned a ton in that business. It obviously has its pros and cons. But um, and, I tried to take, you know, whatever I can out of it. And and then and then you move. Where did you move to next? Yeah. So I did that for about a year and a half. Um, it was working within the financial industry. So um, I was selling like life insurance and, you know, investments here and there. So um, I got introduced to the world of, you know, financing and everything. And um, from there, I went to work at the bank. So I started to work at TD from there. Nice. Um, so, yeah, that's, I mean, it's that's still actually open. a legitimate, like good, reputable job right there. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I was only a bank teller because you know I had no no experience, no experience really. Um, hadn't gone to school or anything. So, um, yeah, I went to TV, worked as a bank teller, and you know took it for what it was and learned the industry a little bit. And uh, yeah, bro, from there, um, I just learned a ton within that industry, and you know, did it for a little bit, ultimately decided that, you know, that wasn't for me either. You know how it is nowadays with, um, our generation, we do something for a year or something, we get bored and we want to do something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I totally understand. And we're at an age where you can, you can switch out back in the day. It's like, you got to stick with one employer for your entire career and move your way. But now you can really jump around. Exactly. Exactly. So you were like, so you pack that in. Yeah, bro. So ended up uh, leaving the bank, you know, wasn't for me. And here I was back to back to square one, kind of, you know, and 
Um, yet again, you know, lost, confused, not knowing what I want to do with my life and stressing and, you know, you feel all the weight of the world on your shoulders and, you know, everyone's trying to figure out what you're trying to do with your life. And, um, just, it was a scary time for sure. And then you have family too and everything. They're like, Oh, what do you want to do with your life? And you're like, just chill. <laughs> literally bro literally i got my mom on my ass trying to you know turn me into a doctor and lawyer every every opportunity she gets and Classic. you know it just it wasn't it wasn't the route for me i just didn't know you know which route was ultimately for me so what was your next move so from there um hmm, i don't know like i was involved in like a weed business. I don't know if that's something we can, you know, talk about here. And you can talk um, about whatever you want, man. Yeah, man. So yeah, I got involved in that industry, bro. I mean, I had um, a lot of, you know, experience with finance and business and marketing and stuff. So um, I ended up partnering up with a website here in Vancouver, and um, I did that for a little bit, and that was kind of my world and um, trying to live within the boundaries of like legality and not and you know just living in that gray area for a little bit yeah because it is there is a big gray area um because i've i've been looking into a little bit and the especially what i've heard is the the because right now you can basically go on a website or whatever order and they'll come to your house and drop it off right but Mm -hmm. apparently that's not technically legal but no one's doing anything about it exactly there's all these businesses that are thriving and when you say thriving, bro, we're talking seven figures, and that's just our city alone. Yeah, like, like there's it's insane. dozens. There's dozens. Well, of well let me. We're so. gonna we're gonna get into a good a good topic right here because let me tell you, the government is mental. They have no idea what they're doing with their marijuana. Like, mm-hmm. so first of all, the packaging. Okay. They got way too much packaging going on. It's dry. <laughs> it's been sitting there for God knows how long. You can't even see the product. This is what pissed me off the most. You go, imagine you go to the, the store and you buy an apple and they give a give you a box and they're like, oh, trust me, it's not bruised. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's a good little analogy. That, that's like what it is. Like they're like, here's a box. Trust me, it's good. It's good weed. It's like, no, that's not how it works. I want to yeah. be able to smell it. I want to be able to see it. I want to be able to like analyze it, right? And I want it not to be dry. Mm-hmm. And all, like what I would do is because because they have they have a package. They have like a it goes to the from grower to packaging plant to um, seller, right? So fuck the packaging plant. Go grower to seller to keep it more fresh and better quality. And then you just make sure the growing people are up to regulation. Yep. Right? And then you didn't have to waste all this money on this stupid packaging thing. And you just throw a sticker on it or whatever. And so clearly, whoever designed this has never smoked weed in their life. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, bro. Honestly. Like it, it absolutely meant like, have you seen some of, some of that stuff as well? It's just, I have, but it's crazy. And you know, they throw you this, you know, BS packaging with some dry weed in the middle and they're like, Hey man, by the way, it's 65 bucks for that eight plus tax. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Oh, and nice price. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> mental bro. Mental. Absolutely mental. So that's why these, um, I don't, I don't even know what to call them. Cause they're like. I guess they're kind of street dealers because it's not technically legal, but it's it feels legal mm-hmm. because I just like go on a little legitimate website and order it. 
and it's actually like somewhat good quality. Literally, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's a crazy time right now when it comes to, um, you know, I guess the black market and that that world. But once uh, I, I I have a feeling once COVID's over, they're they're gonna have to reevaluate their entire plan because that's that's a lot of money they're losing. Yeah, for sure. And and I have a feeling they're gonna try to make it like alcohol where they like dominate the market right Mm -hmm. but i think that was their biggest mistake because they could have just sat back and taxed it instead of trying to like take it over completely exactly exactly that was the biggest flaw for sure yeah so so you're you're at a point now where you're doing well for yourself eh you know yeah man um (laughs) hate to say it you know it was you know obviously um semi-untaxable money um but it was a lot of it bro <laughs> like it, it was crazy <laughs> like coming from the bank and uh making freaking 17 18 bucks an hour and stuff to now all of a sudden you know i'm handling big stacks of cash that are my own and um it, it was crazy bro we, we had a really successful website that that was popping off man we were doing like you know couple hundred thousand three hundred thousand a month in sales so um it really picked up and i had my part in helping it grow so i got um you know paid accordingly so it was it was definitely a very lucrative and is an extremely lucrative business so now that you have obviously a little bit of the taste of the lavish give me give me some uh give me some stories of of uh maybe some nice food places you've gone to or you know some some fun nights you had yeah, man. I mean, the best part about, you know, living in that world was you don't respect money, bro. And um, when you're around, you know, and I was never around a ton of money. Yeah, I made okay money when I was doing that pyramid scheme. And there was times where I made a ton. But this was the first time where I was handling more cash than I was had ever been around, really. And um, it was a matter of not even looking at the price anymore. It was, you know, going to any restaurant and just ordering whatever I wanted kind of thing. So um, obviously I could name drop a few restaurants, but I'll be honest, man. Like I probably went to every single top restaurant in the city just because um, I could, and there was nothing else to do, you know, especially with COVID and everything, there wasn't as much opportunity to spend that money. So, um, you know, just take the wifey to, to all the nice restaurants and give her a feel for that life. What uh? Give me a give me a favorite like meal or or something. You got to give me some. I would have to say my personal favorite, my go to. Like if I really want, you know, a a good meal, good quality, I'm doing highs and I'm doing that filet mignon, um, Ooh. or I'm doing the beef Wellington, bro. That beef Wellington at highs is is unmatched, bro. Unmatched. Yeah, give me another one. Give me another one. Hmm. Another really bomb one, man. Like, if you like seafood, I was a pretty big seafood guy for a little bit. Um, I definitely like Gotham seafood. Seafood platter um, comes with everything you can ask for in terms of seafood, and you know the presentation, mm. the flex, and um, it was freaking solid, bro. And I miss that. I miss being able to just you know go into a restaurant and get something like that, and you know not caring whatsoever what the what the amount would be. That's pretty tight. You pop bottles as well. Yeah, I mean, with the opportunities given, you know, COVID was definitely a factor. But yeah, um, you know, everywhere I went was always an expensive, you know, ball of wine on the table and um, that world. Um, 
didn't have as many opportunities, you know, go to the club or anything like that. But, um, you know, I would go to a restaurant and the bill would be scary high sometimes, but I wouldn't even care, you know, it was the cash life and um, you lose respect for it a little bit. And I wish I almost, you know, respected money more because you don't think about it and you just start spending on whatever you want. And give me one late night food munch. Ooh, late night food munch. I would have to go with the OG, bro. Uh, Seagulls Bagels has always been yes. the best. <laughs> My man. If we're doing late night, man, it's Seagulls Bagels or Brecca, or you're fucking wasting your time, man. Honestly, I second that. That is. <laughs> That is such a good choice. Yeah, my viewers love the uh, the late night snack. So that was nice. a good bomb right there. That was a good bomb. The old Can't Jewish bakery. <laughs> Not go wrong, bro. You get that Montreal smoked beef, bro, and you're having a wonderful night. Yeah, so you get into that vibe of like you kind of disrespect the money. Do you wish you kind of invested a little more? Or? 1,000% looking back, like... I could have done so much more with the amount of cash I was handling. You know, I definitely could have had a down payment on a house right now. And um, I could have excelled so much further. But at the time, man, it's, you know, when you're in that world, bro. It's a it's, high, dude. It's it's a out. high, man. It's a high. And you you constantly have this feeling of this could go away at any second, you know. Like, my freedom could go at any second. And that's ultimately why I ended up leaving that world anyways was... I couldn't live with that fear of like the unknown of not knowing if, you know, my yeah. door is going to be, you know, kicked down and everything. So yeah. you kind of spend it as if today's your last day. Well, honestly, props to you on uh, making the right decision. Um, so what are you, what are you doing now? Yeah, bro. So um, just, you know, a few months ago, I ended up leaving that world. Um, the, the, the background, the BS was just beginning too much for me. And I hated that feeling of, you know, the unknown and constantly looking over and it's your also you don't have control right over your fate you don't have exactly. you don't have a, and i'm a type of guy too like i i need to have control like i need to like have control of what i'm doing and 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 it, and it gathers stress because you just have this irky feeling in the back of your mind and oh it's just so uncomfortable 100 percent. and with that world man like all it takes is for you to know someone that knew someone that got caught and ended up snitching. And now all of a sudden, his phone is bugged. His friend's phone is bugged. Ultimately, your phone may get bugged. And all it takes is one person down the line to kind of screw it up for everyone. And um, I didn't trust the people I was around enough to to put that kind of trust into them. You know what I mean? 100%, dude. I totally agree. And also, you were there at a good time because the government's so fucking busy right now. <laughs> like they, true, man. They don't, have, the they don't have anything. Like, they don't have time for that shit right now. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But at the same time, like, they were cracking down on a lot of the big sites. Okay. Like, some of our competition and people we worked with and stuff, they were getting shut down. And they were getting their bank accounts frozen and all those different things. But yeah. um, it all it all depends how you're operating in that in that world, how protected you are ultimately, and um, yeah, how well you do it. But you know, it it was interesting. It was a cool world, but you know, that kind of segued me into not knowing, you know, what the hell I want to do with my life again, and starting from square one again. That was not that long ago, man. That was literally a few months ago, um, and ultimately, I decided I was like, you know what, I have all this experience in all these kind of random fields, but. Um, everyone's always told me that I was kind of made for sales and 
that that world and I always wanted to stay away from car sales because I knew once I got in, I would get trapped just knowing how I am and everything. And yeah, um, dude, car sales is a great way to go. It's 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 good, man. It's it's very lucrative, but at the same time, it's very easy to get trapped because once you get sucked into that world of commission and stuff, it's so hard to leave, you know. And totally. um, that's kind of where I'm at. So I ended up getting a job um, at a dealership, just selling cars for the first time randomly and. Um, have been doing really good, man. I'm my, my third month in, um, one of the top selling guys on the whole squad and, um, already being looked at as a leader, which is kind of cool. And, you know, I'm still brand new to that world and learning, but at the same time doing, doing not too shabby in it at all. Yeah. I've, I've narrowed down as my calling is sales as well. So I just, I'm, I'm, I've gone back to school. I'm going to finish that off and then I'm going to get into sales, dude. Cause nice, bro. it's like the, there's no cap. Exactly. There's no cap whatsoever. Like whichever sales you in, it's just experience. You can get higher and higher and higher and you are the only limit. And what I loved about sales is like normally you sit down for a day and it's like, okay, you're going to get paid like 200 bucks today, no matter if you jerk off the whole day or if you do work. Right. But during sales, if you make another sale, you just made more money. So it's like you have incentive to work hard and harder and harder and harder during the day exactly exactly and there's both sides to it like people will take advantage of that and you know they'll sell one car they'll sell one thing and make 200 bucks and they're, oh yeah i'm good for the day so they'll work for an hour and then end up messing around but the guys that do well are the guys that that get a sale and are like okay nice like how can i make my next one how can i get the next thing going you know what i mean yeah, I was. I worked a little bit before I went back to school for a landscaping company. Yeah. Um, and I was selling like packages for people's lawn, like resurfacing lawn, seeding, like I, I basically like you come and do everything for their fucking lawn, right? Nice. Um, and there was there was four 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 people on the sales team, um, and after after two weeks, I had more sales than all the other people combined. Shit. So when COVID hit. They fired all of them and just kept me. <laughs> wow, that's respect, bro. Sick. Yeah, I, mean, I, would, I would, because it was just like they—they they would really let like getting shut down get to them, you know. Mm-hmm. Like they would, people would be like, "Oh, like you know," and some people get mad at you or whatever. And they and I, I realized it was a numbers game, right? Pr- pretty early, and yep. they would all like go through the the list of of contacts and I would go to like people that have ordered in the past people that are like higher probability if you know what I'm saying right exactly um and and you really spend your time wisely and I would just kicking it out and then like I I, there was this one guy was his friend I was kind of like friends with him and I would like share him some of my secrets but for the other people I was like you know what this is a this is a battle out here this is the trenches like (laughs) Literally, I got to get yeah. my check, but facts, it really, facts. it really showed me that, um, it's, it's a good way to go. And if you have a good personality, like you do, and I do, you're going to be fine in sales. And it, and it's like fun. Like you, you like, you're like being a fun person is part of your job, which is Literally. pretty neat, which is pretty neat. Yeah. With sales, ultimately a lot of people, they have sales confused because People in like people trying to get into sales or wondering about that world assume that being in sales is having the ability of selling a product, but 
it really has nothing to do with the product, man. It's all about selling yourself. I'm three months in. I don't know shit about my cars, but um, I'm out selling the guys. I know everything about their cars because I sell myself pretty well at work, you know. And dude, um, I anyone that knows anything about sales is like you, you're. They're buying you. They're not exactly. buying the product. And I can give you a good example because in my career of many freaking jobs, uh, just like you, uh, I I did door to door sales. I was slaying nice. in furnaces, water heaters, air conditioners. But if if no one wants that, first of all, no one wants that shit when mm-hmm. you're knocking at the, their, their door. So you're like your personality. Basically, they invite you into their house. They've never met you before. They invite you into their home. Now, first of all, that's pretty crazy. You assess their equipment and tell them they need new equipment, they believe you enough, they think you know what you're talking about, and then they buy like ten dollars to $20,000 worth of equipment in a like 30-minute interaction. And it's like, if you can do that, you can sell fucking anything. Exactly, exactly. And not only that, it makes you a better talker and have a better personality. It's everything, bro. It's everything. Well, man, this has been a fucking great conversation. We started from the beginning and now we're here at the VanCast. You're doing well for yourself, you know. You've been through the trenches and I appreciate it. And I appreciate the hard work and you're, you're always a good friend. So once the shit calms down a bit, we'll, we'll get some food. We'll, we'll get some drinks. We'll go to the Arbutus Club. We'll hang out. 100%. It'll be, it'll be nice. Um, so you want to shout out your Instagram or anything you want to shout out before we end this? Yeah, throw it out, bro. You know, Irfan604, E-R-F-E-N-604. Throw me a follow. You want to buy a car? I'm your guy, man. So um, why not? I'll throw it in there. What, what what kind of cars do you sell? I sell everything, bro. I work at Kia, but we got a huge car lot, man. We got about 1,300 cars there. So you tell me what you want, and I can probably find it for you, bro. There we go. We got the connect. That's I, what well, it is, bro. It was good chatting with you, and uh, have a good day, my friend. You too, brother. You too. Stay safe.